Good morning. <laughs> Have you ever kind of committed a, a small wrong or mistake that, that absolutely turned out to blow up in your face? Maybe at the time you thought it was, you know, something tiny, maybe a white lie, something really small. But as time went on, it just snowballed and became this massive, massive thing. You know, when I, when I was a kid, um, I, I had a really bad habit about lying when it came to my homework. Um, I really wanted to come home and I really wanted to play or go outside and, and do whatever all the other kids were doing. And so I just would make up the fact that my homework was all done. And I was the master at this, you know, whether it was I completed it in this specific study hall. I mean, I had like a specific story as to how I did it and they varied each. So, so when I came home and my, my dad or my mom would ask me, you know, is your homework done? Sure. Um, and then the report cards came. <laughs> and uh, not only was that day's homework not done, and that was a small lie, but the lies built and built and built, and now I'm failing and need to rescue my grade somehow, and the next thing you know is there's parent-teacher conferences, and they're talking, he's so smart, if only he applied himself, and all those things, all because I just kind of didn't want to do that little bit of work. Right? We do this all the time. We have small things in our lives that turn out to be humongous things. If you want an example of this, we're living in the year 2020 when something so small we can't even see it is ruining the world in a lot of places. Tiny things cause massive issues. Now, if you, whatever story you have, maybe it's homework for you, maybe it's something else, there's nothing that can top this guy's story. Uh, this guy's name is Dennis Dickey, and in 2017, Dennis Dickey thought he would have himself a gender reveal party. He had a tiny little explosive in a big open field that he set off, and it was supposed to be pink or blue, depending on whether it was a boy or a girl. And the, the problem is that Dennis Dickey's explosion ended up causing a 47,000-acre fire in Arizona. And he's now in all kinds of trouble with the law and, you know, millions and billions of dollars of damage, all because of one little tiny... It tells you, if you want to have a gender reveal party, just buy the cake. Nothing wrong with cake. Everybody loves cake. Go to Costco. It's delicious there. Don't blow stuff up in your backyard, or even worse, a dry public field in Arizona. But tiny little things cause massive levels of destruction. Today we're in James 3. James 3 does not hold back any punches. And James 3 is, is a part of, of the book of James that is going to not only kind of hit all of us hard, but really hit all of us. See, Scripture pierces our, our hearts and, and shapes us, but there's times when you read Scripture and it's talking about a specific struggle. Maybe you don't have that struggle. Maybe it's like, oh, I have these issues, but this one I'm kind of... Maybe giving is something that you're great at. And so when the Bible talks about money and giving, that's something you go, you know what? I, 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 the Lord has blessed me with the faith to give, and I just that's not something... Today we're talking about something that every single person struggles with. None of you get to take a free pass on, on this one, and that is the tongue. Um, James deals with our use of speech and how we talk to the world around us, to the people we love, to the people on the internet right now. James is going to deal very harshly and very directly with what our speech does in the culture and world around us. So let's, let's take a look at James 3, 1 through 12, and then we'll pray, and we'll get started looking at it a little deeper. Here it is, James 3, 1 through 12. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. 
If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, the tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. Dennis Sticky did not consider this. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body. It sets the course of life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. Let's pray before we take a deeper look. God, we thank you for the book of James. We thank you for the living, breathing word. And God, we pray this morning that as we engage with it, that it would shape us and mold us. That we would be willing to come humbly to be shaped by you. To not sit by idly and go the ways of the world, but to allow our creator through his holy word to grow us more into his likeness. Be with us this morning. Be with me as I speak and bring the word forth and be with everybody that they might have ears to listen and hearts to hear so that we would not leave the way we came to worship this morning. We love you and praise you and all as people said, amen. So there's four really things that James kind of breaks up in here um, as we look at this passage. He starts with a very weird place where we're talking about the tongue and we're talking about speech, but before he even gets into the tongue at all, he has this warning for teachers that he gives us. He starts and he just says, you know, not many should become teachers because you know that it will receive a stricter judgment. And we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, right, he is mature, able to control the whole body. Why, why do we have this warning against teachers? He tells us that not everybody should become teachers. He said, all of you, most of you should not aspire to teach. Why would he do that? Why would he say not, not, much, not many of you should become teachers? See, see, James had a problem in the time of his day where the, the teacher, right there with the rabbi, was a prestigious position. It was the thing everybody wanted to be. See, when I was a kid, I looked up at the stages of people playing guitar, and I wanted to be that guy. Now I kind of get to be that guy, but not in the you know, way. I'm not, I'm not Mick Jagger rocking the house. Uh, I'm leading worship. But, but we all have those aspirations. And back in that day, all kinds of people wanted to be the teacher because the teacher was a position of prestige and everybody looked up to the teacher. And so what happened is you had people that were becoming teachers that really shouldn't become teachers. Some of them couldn't even read scripture for themselves, but they wanted to be teachers. 
And so for James, this isn't just a, an abstract thing where it's, it's a, it's a real-world problem for him because James had all these folks that wanted to be teachers that instead were causing all kinds of issues. People were quarreling over various things that they were hearing. Teaching wasn't lining up because it wasn't all faithful to Scripture. And so you had all these folks having significant damage be caused by people that wanted to be teachers. You had a lot of false teachers, some of which were actually wolves in sheep's clothing, some of which probably just didn't know any better. And so for James is saying, listen, not all of you should become teachers. But what does this have to do with the tongue? See, James has this interesting thing. He says that teachers are going to be judged more harshly than other people. And, and as somebody who is a teacher, my first gut when I read that is, that's not fair. I don't want to be judged harsher than, than the accountant or the lawyer, right? Or, or the person that brings me my food when I'm at the restaurant. I don't, I don't, why should I have a harsher judgment incurred than they do? And the reason, that, the reason that this is the case, James is very clear, it's, it's not necessarily that God judges, actually judges more harshly, although he sort of kind of does. But the real issue is this, our tongue gets us into a lot of trouble. And quite frankly, the more we speak, the more opportunity we have to get into trouble. What does a teacher do a whole lot of? Speak. So because of the nature of a teacher's position and what they do consistently, it, it can get you into a lot of trouble because, quite frankly, as one who teaches, there's just more opportunity for sin. I have a more higher likelihood of saying or doing the wrong thing. And so there's a harsh judgment that is reserved for those folks. And so he says, he starts with this warning, listen, don't, don't aspire unless you feel called by God. Don't, don't aspire to necessarily be a teacher. Because it might, it might bring a whole bunch of fury and struggle down upon you. And it's just, just a warning to start out. And, and for, for James, as we segue into the tongue, this is just a concrete example. He's saying, listen, speech causes issues. Just look at all these people that are teachers that shouldn't be. <laughs> We're having all kinds of stuff that we have to deal with now because of that. Right? So that's number one. The second thing he gets into is a few examples of, of the tongue's immense power. See, James is trying to articulate to us, and we can't possibly overestimate this. The tongue, our speech, has an unbelievable amount of power to affect change for good and evil in the world. You, you, no matter how hard you try to set your mind to it, you cannot fathom how much your words affect the world around you and how much power is behind the tongue, right? They say the pen is mightier than the sword. It's absolutely true. And so James gives us three different examples as we go through Scripture. The first one he talks about is a horse, right? And, and, and he talks about the horse, and you have to put the bridle on the horse, and even though it's this tiny little thing, this tiny little thing, it is able to guide the horse's entire body wherever the rider wants it to go. He just shapes the direction of the horse with something that is perhaps a fraction of the size of even a hoof of a horse. That's all it takes, right? Our words, small as they may seem to you, ultimately are going to be the thing that guides our attitudes, our actions, and our behaviors. As we learn to speak in a way that edifies and glorifies God, our actions, our hearts are, are going to follow. They will. 
Just like a horse is guided, so our tongue guides us. It gets us into trouble or it brings us into goodness. And we have a choice to make as to how we use the tongue. The next thing he gives is the ship. He talks about a ship that is massive. And we've seen, maybe perhaps picture the giant cargo ships that go through the Panama Canal with just thousands and thousands of things of cargo freight. That whole ship is guided by a rudder that would probably fit into half this room. A tiny adjustment on something so small steers a massive ship. And it steers it against the currents of the waves of the sea. So when there's outside forces that act upon us, our speech is powerful enough to move around those forces. Our tongue has immense amount of power, absolutely immense amount of power. And then finally, James talks about a fire. And we joked about this a little bit. You know, we're not talking about a gender reveal, but the smallest spark, the smallest spark is able to create a blaze. If you are in some of the states like California or Washington right now, you know exactly what this is all about. It's the smallest little spark. And so what James is trying to tell us here is not only is our tongue immensely powerful, but it has an unparalleled capacity for causing destruction on people. You do not know how powerful you are in your speech. And so one would hope, with our speech having this much power, that James would then get into, well, and so this is how you direct your speech in a positive way. But that's not what he does. Instead, he says this, every kind of animal, every bird, every reptile and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. Listen, God has given us dominion over all the earth. There's nothing on this earth that beats out humanity. There's no animal, no fish in the sea, no bird in the air. There's nothing that beats us out. We have tamed every creature. Everything that this world has to offer, we have exercised dominion over. And then he says, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and it is full of deadly poison. No one can tame the tongue. So, so what do we do? We have this instrument that we're given by God that is able to cause all this destruction around us that can lift people up but also destroy them. And yet James tells us, listen, you have no ability to control this thing. Mankind has tried. You can wrestle a bear, but you can't control your tongue. Right? What are we to do with that? We'll get to that in one second. Because James takes it just a little step further beyond that. He doesn't let us off the hook. He then follows up and tells us that, listen, every one of us, the untamed tongue that we have is absolutely hypocritical to the Christian life. He says, out of the same mouth we bless and curse. And he says, brothers, this shouldn't be this way. But see, for us to live as Christians, it makes no sense for our speech not to completely be edifying to all that God calls us to. And so he points out, not only is the tongue powerful, we have no power to change it. And even beyond that, the fact that we aren't changing it causes us to be hypocrites in the eyes of, of Christian living in this world. And we see this as we go out. Every one of us struggles with this. Every one of us. Shoot, in the last 24 hours, there's been parts of my speech that I know have torn people down. And so I come in here this morning, and you along with me, whether you're here in the building or whether you're in your homes, you have to admit to yourself that the same tongue that tore people down 
within the last day, this morning, lifted up praise to our Lord and Savior as we sang together. That ought to bother us, shouldn't it? And that's what James says. Listen, there's a hypocrisy. It doesn't make sense. You can't have fresh water and salt water coming out of the same spring. The way that it should be is that our tongues spring forth a fresh water. And so what do we do? The answer is that we absolutely need to rely on the regenerative work of Christ in our hearts. See, our tongue, if nothing else, points us to our unparalleled need for Jesus. There's many, many things that we, that we can tame, that we can work on. We, we try to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps when it comes to our sin. And we try to do things that cause us to flee from temptation. And we try to better our lives. And we do it all on our own merits. And you know what? It might seem all good and well, but eventually you're going to butt up to a point where outside of Christ changing your heart, outside the Holy Spirit coming in and grabbing a hold of you, there is not going to be anything beyond your own strength that you can do. And our tongue is the universal thing for all of us that levels the playing field. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, wherever you are in your ability to rein in the sin in your life, no one can tame the tongue. So at one point, at some point or another, you are going to come up against the reality as you speak in the world around you that you cannot change this yourself and that you need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come and to shape you. So ultimately, after this, we get into some wisdom passages as, as, as James starts to talk about wisdom. The wisdom of all of this is that we surrender our speech to Christ, that we spend time in the word with him, that we spend time with other people, with other Christians, studying and learning and growing together in community, that we come and worship and that we fill our lives and our hearts and our minds with the things of Christ, that we allow him to shape us and mold us and change us, and we allow him to be the one that molds our speech. So that as we go out of this church, and we engage with the community around us, our, our tongues would actually be used in the most powerful way to bring the gospel to those who do not know him. And that they might see the gospel, not just in the fact that we proclaim it, but in the way that we speak to the strangers that are in our midst, to the world around us, to our friends, to our families, to our co-workers, to our fellow students, that as Jesus works in our hearts, that we might be shaped by him and that our speech would pour forth. See, the beauty of this passage is that because our speech is so powerful, it has the ability not just to destroy the world, but to lift it. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to lift us up, and he wants to use us to be his vessels for change in this world. He wants to use our tongues and our words as he gives us his holy wisdom to go out and to proclaim through everything we do or say that he is good and he's worthy of attention, that people might come to know him. So this week, as you go forth, my challenge to you is that you would pray each day about your speech. At the end of each day, you would evaluate. You would start to think about, what are the things that I just kind of loosely say that I don't even know are cutting people to the core? See, one of the weird things is when people come to me and tell me, you know, you, you really hurt me there. I'm almost always completely taken by surprise. It's pretty rare that someone comes and says, you know, you, your words really hurt me. And I go, yeah, good, I meant to. No, like, we just don't, we just, 
oftentimes don't know. Our speech just happens. Stuff just kind of comes up. Right? We have word vomit. Pray this week, every morning, that the Lord would give you speech that is edifying and good. And then as you finish your day, spend some time with God in confession for the ways that you've fallen short and just ask him to continue to work on you. And he will. His promises are true and good. The Lord will shape us and change us if we're willing to submit to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that you love us. Thank you for the fact that you are the one who is ultimately in charge of our speech. God, we praise you for the tongue that you gave us. Father, we, we acknowledge that you designed the tongue as you made humankind. That you are the one who gave us the ability to speak. And so, Father, we ask that in your wisdom we might speak truth and love. That you would allow us to be molded by your word and that the speech that comes forth from each and every one of us might glorify and edify you. Father, change hearts this week. Let there be people who didn't know you, who encounter Christians who are willing to speak in an edifying and truthful way, and let them come to know you through them. As we go out, that's what we pray. We love you and praise you. And all his people said, amen.